We're going to talk about a theme that has been part of our theme for quite a long time. Sometimes I feel like, and you probably feel like, I just say the same thing again and again and again. Which is pretty much true. Jesus loves you. He died for your sin. He's come to give you a great life. He's in a good mood. Enjoy it. The trip. That's pretty much it. You know, it's beyond that. Sometimes churches spend all their time saying, you know, have you given your heart to Jesus? Please come up to the front, give your heart to Jesus, and then as long as you've given your heart to Jesus, that's it. Trouble is, it's, it's about a journey with Jesus. And it's about how do we live with him day by day by day by day by day. And as we started this morning, you know, the, uh, that father who brought his boy to the disciples, he had an expectation because he had heard that this Jesus and his disciples were able to do things they'd never ever seen before. And his disciples had hung around, but they still were learning how to believe that they could be used. We know actually more intellectually than those disciples probably ever knew about Jesus, because they hadn't even heard of his crucifixion because it hadn't happened yet. They thought he was the Messiah, but they really didn't know. They weren't educated people, so they thought, this is some interesting dude, but, you know... I don't know how the whole Old Testament fits into him. They didn't have it intellectually together, which is one of the really good news things about Jesus, is that you don't have to have a university degree to follow him. Sometimes, again, in the church, it feels like you're patronized to the point where if you don't understand this thing, then you can't know. And God is very, very kind. He's very, very open. He actually wants us to know him way before we understand him. So if you want pictures of God, just look at... um, how you came to be here. You were born like Caleb before you understood you were even a human being. And you didn't ask permission. And you didn't have a control of a lot of things. And a lot of your early life, particularly your first two or three years, you can't even remember. And, and the same is true with faith. There's a lot about faith that uh, God has released before we, you and I have become aware of it. So... When you're a baby just being born and you're a male or you're a female and the doctor holds, let's say they're twins to give it all equal, male and female. Behold a woman, behold a man. I'm totally making this up. I didn't even think of this until right now. But behold a woman, behold a man. Behold a baby. What's happening? I'm declaring what this baby will become. This baby now is a baby girl and a baby boy. Behold a man, behold a woman. That's faith. You're declaring things that still have to come into being, but they're based on something profound. And it's really what we want to talk about this morning. Because everything about life is in you right now. Everything that will bring about transformation in life is right at your hand now. I was reminded of two things. One was when I walked through Israel um, and the, the hills of Galilee. Spent a day wandering around the hills of Galilee from Capernaum. I walked back to Tiberias and, and basically ran, walked through the region where Jesus did a lot of his miracles, did a lot of his teaching. Um, and they're just rolling hills. They're undulating hills overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And, and Jesus fed the 5,000 and I ate an apple. My point is, you know, I was in the region, but the region felt historically wonderful, but it was, it was a region, I'm, I'm going to get there, what I'm trying to say is going to come clear. 
Um, I remember as a student or a long time ago going to Paris for a week and I just I managed to get a uh, a room to stay in but I had very little money so a lot of my Paris experience in the early 70s was wandering around the streets of Paris which was amazing it was just such a, a live city but I re- would look through the windows at the you know the rotisserie of meat and I couldn't afford to go in and have a meal and I felt God you know God actually brought that to mind in the, in this last song and I felt he wanted to say to us he said you know there are two ways of being in Paris you can be in Paris without any resources wishing you had them and and you can get some of it by wandering the streets but it's a totally different experience when you've got a wallet full of cash and you can do whatever you want and you can you can go up the towers you can go to the music you can do whatever you want and you know i really believe he wants to say to you and to me it's not about money it's about um i have given you all the resources for you to have a wonderful time in paris paris being your life you don't have to be penniless you don't have to look through the window you don't have to wish you had he said i have given you all you need and you go well my pockets are still empty and he says yeah because my kingdom on earth is not received from the physical it's received from the invisible and it's not the power of positive thinking so when we what we're learning is the way god's kingdom comes the way his provision comes the way things change is when you actually believe him and then rest in him and watch it happen the problem is we sometimes go well it hasn't happened yet and he goes well i'm teaching you something so that when it happens you'll be able to hold it sometimes we ask god for things um i've had a lot of people over the years and i say this with a lot of compassion saying i want a husband i want a you know i i want a wife and i go well if you just actually dealt with some of your own stuff god will give you a husband or wife but if i was god i wouldn't give you one i'm teasing them but i'm saying until you work out your own stuff and you build your own identity i wouldn't give you my daughter so one of the best things we can do if we want to receive is to allow god to work on us no strings attached and the other things will come the other things will come but we so often impatient because we want our life from the other things that we end up with nothing just a ruin of disappointments does it make sense so you the invitation today is are you living in paris penniless or have you got lots of resources that you don't maybe yet see some of you have them and maybe god will say well i want you to share some you stingy little blighter because <laughs> you think it's yours don't you you think you actually earned this well i've seen the quality of your work it's not that great you're just very privileged to share it that was i don't know who that's for so i wanted to you believing is seeing i've said this many many times believing is seeing seeing is believing is how we live on this earth believing is seeing which means i know god i know jesus i begin to know his promises and as i believe so it's released it's not prosperity gospel I never touch that here it's not prosperity gospel it's just a god who provides 
Um, it's why we don't have bake sales. Aren't you sick of churches that sit outside ringing bells asking you to support the church? To me, it's like God's kids are so poor and God is so stingy that his kids have to go begging. No, he releases it from within. And he says, I will give you what you need as you need it. So believing is seeing. And how we think determines how we behave. Because I want to really focus on what do you think? How do you think? I'm going to show at the leadership thing, uh, leadership meeting on Tuesday, um, the Dove commercial. Some of you have seen the Dove commercial? What's the Dove commercial? The Dove commercial is about women's soap. I watch it all the time. Um, It's actually a very sad, powerful little documentary. And it's about they have uh, this big room and there's a a forensic artist sitting there and there's a sheet between him and these women come in. They sit down and he just says, describe to me your eyes. Describe to me your hair. Describe to me your nose. Describe to me... Your best feature, describe to me your chin. And these girls sit down and women sit down and describe. Um, And part of the exercise is while they're waiting, they've got to really get to know one other person. And then they come in and they describe the person that they spent time with. And he draws that description too. And what happens is when he, he puts these two pictures together and then he brings them in and shows them. And every single one of the women who describe themselves is uglier on his picture than the way somebody else described them. Because the perception usually of ourselves is always negative. And it's always less than. And it's always, well, you know, you, you see it all, somebody's beautiful, but I wish I my nose, you know, that's why you get plastic surgery for nothing. You know, it's just like it's constant this looking on the outside for stuff that has to come from the inside, which is what God wants us to be. That's why the declaration, for instance, you're my son, you're my daughter whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased, is a profound Christian statement. Almost every week, somebody, I want to speak that over, you are, you are his son, you're his daughter, he loves you, he delights in you. When you walk in the room, his face lights up. If I was Jesus, if I was God the Father right now and I looked at you, I would say, rise up, woman, rise up, man. You have no idea what's in you. See, God's wanting to set people free to be who they are from the inside out so that you can live in Paris with abundance. You can be rich without having lots of money. You might get lots of money because God loves you anyway. Who knows? You could go to Genesis 28 where um, Jacob wrestles with an angel. And I just wonder, this is just illustrating what I've been talking about. Genesis 28, uh, Jacob has a dream, it's, it's called, you know, where, where he sees angels coming down and up, up and down a ladder. And uh, it says in Jacob, 28, Genesis 28 from verse 11. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Then above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. 
Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will go over and will watch over you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, if you had been watching that, Jacob was sleeping. He woke up. He looked around, scratched his head. That's probably the visible sign. Nothing had changed. But everything had changed. In his dream, he had received a promise that I will make you one solitary man and out of your inheritance from Abraham, a mighty nation with lots of inheritance. He's got to walk that out. At this point, it's nothing's changed. He's still there. And that's how God speaks. You see, he says, I will call this place Bethel. This is the gateway to heaven. When Jesus comes into your heart, you are a gateway to heaven. Everything is by faith. My standing on the shores of Galilee, I went to the place where Jesus called the fishermen, a place called Tabga. It's just rocks and sand, I mean rocks and a harbor. In other words, every place where God works looks ordinary. It becomes extraordinary with his presence. And his presence works inside you. That's why when we worship, when we come here, there's a, there's a way of being here that will allow him to engage you. And there's a way of being here that you'll never engage. You'll never engage if, if, you, only, if you only let your head in, engage with the songs, for instance. You have to open your heart. If you don't open your heart, you'll come in here every single week and nothing will change. In fact, I'll tell you what will change. You will get harder and harder and more and more critical because you'll just get irritated. I've been doing this for a long time now. And you can see it. And there's an element of as you come just saying, God, I need you, and I open my heart to you, there's a mystery that begins to happen as, as things begin to change from the inside. I can't explain it. I just know that's what happens. So Jacob, after his dream, said, this place is a gateway to heaven. And in this moment, God has actually given me a meaning and a purpose that I thought, this is unbelievable, actually. I would dare to say that if we could have God's dream over each of our lives this morning, and if we could have God's word over each of our hearts this morning, we would say it's unbelievable. It would be much too good to be true. So we are meant to be a people who are always seeking what's in the invisible to make it visible. How do you take what is invisible and make it visible? I mean, I could stand here for the next 15 minutes and just do this. That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? Could be. It might be more exciting than what I have to say. Or who knows? And I say, well, if God wants you to understand what I'm communicating, then he'll give you wisdom. Read my mind. How do you take what is invisible? You speak it out. The way the invisible comes to earth from God's kingdom is through human beings, through the voice they speak. Jesus came to earth as a man, and he grew up, and then he began to speak and act. Some people say, I don't like to offend people, so just I, I let them see Jesus by the way I live. You go, you're not that good. And if the Son of God had to speak, then you'd better speak as well. 
The invisible becomes visible through what is spoken. So what goes on in me begins to flow out from me. That's how God works. He captures you in order to captivate others through you. He just needs a voice. He's not fussy. So in Galatians, Paul is talking to people about what I'm talking to you about, believe it or not. This has got actually a root in the Bible. He said, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? And what's he saying? He's saying, when you've heard about Jesus, you receive Jesus by faith. Because you say, Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. I cannot see anything. I thank you that historically you went to a cross for everything that has caused me to be separated from you, God. And I thank you that you did that on my behalf. And I, 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 I ask you to forgive me for everything that I've done consciously or unconsciously that has grieved you. Because I believe you are the creator. And I believe that you actually have created me for a purpose. And I want to be a part of that purpose. And I've followed my own stuff And I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. I need something more. And I don't see anything changing like there's nothing changing here. But things are changing here. So Jesus, I thank you that your blood is sufficient for me. Thank you that you forgive me and cleanse me. Thank you that you're making me new. Thank you that all my sins are washed away. The only reason I can stand here is because my sins have been washed away. I have it on good report that there are people in Port Alberni who still will not let my sins be washed away. I have on good report that you can talk to some people and they say, Oh, John Cox. Oh, yes. Tut, tut, tut. But my sins have been washed away. So your tuts, you take him to Jesus because I pity you. And I'm not speaking angrily or defensively. I am just speaking freely because my testimony is that God is gracious. And I'd rather be gracious out there than have the secret sins that you're not confessing but pretending about. You being anybody. Not you, of course. Anybody else. Our greatest testimony is that God is good. And that he loves even me. And he's, there's hope for even me. And so, but that's a springboard into go and take the land. Take the, take the life that you have. Don't live out of the condemnation of your past. Don't live out of that place where you're always condemned. So, Paul is saying, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed and crucified. I would like to learn just one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, or are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And this is really the crux of what we want to think about tonight, today, and that is, you know, God's work in you is by faith. It's, you cannot earn it. You can just align yourself with it. You can't do behavior modification. It's exhausting trying to be good. But if you keep company with the one who is good, you become good. If you, if you cultivate your relationship with Jesus and you stay rooted in a, in a believing body, you will be changed. And it's much easier to flow with the stream of the river of God than it is to try and swim upstream to deserve it. You will never deserve it. You'll never be good enough. In fact, the closer you get to God, the more you'll be aware of how little you deserve to be with him. Because where the light shines brighter, the more stuff is visible. That's why grace is so powerful. So we declare things that we don't yet see. We declare things that are 
Who am I? You know, I can come in here sometimes, I was saying to Fred, sometimes I can get discouraged and go, oh God, what am I going to even say today? And I, I, one of the things God began to do with me was say, you are my son and I love you. And I speak that loud, aloud over me. You're my, you're my son and I love you. And I'm pleased with you. And I speak over me what I speak over you. I like you. I'm actually going to back you up. I'm going to be there for you. I'm not going to humiliate you. I'm going to flow through you. And you know what? I will be there. And I have stood up here many, many, many times. And sometimes, quite honestly, I'm amazed or humbled by how God seems to flow because I certainly wasn't feeling it. But as you position yourself, He honors that. And I want this morning to be incredibly encouraging for you. See, where I'm going is... We are so rooted in our natural thinking. We're so rooted in our, our, our negative thinking. We're so rooted in listening to the accuser that it's very hard for us to start living from a place where we go, I'm going to start speaking and believing over my life and over the city and over this church things that I don't see yet. Because God has said it and God is faithful. And Paul is saying to the Galatians, you began something by faith, and now you're trying to earn it. You're trying to focus, because human beings generally do that, don't we? We kind of very quickly go into works, we go into performance, we go into expectations, and it's very, very difficult to resist that. And then we start judging each other. Have you ever heard that? You call yourself a Christian, and then you fill in the blank. Because the lie is Christians are actually together. The lie is that Christians you know, have their lives sorted out. Christians are screwed up. They just found out a place where they can be unscrewed. Christians are human beings on a journey who, who know that they're loved by God and that's their only hope. People who don't know Jesus are on a journey. They're screwed up and they don't have any hope. That's all the difference is. But that difference is everything. God loves me. Period. You tell the difference between children that are loved and aren't loved? What would the difference be, do you think? Let's say a three-year-old. A three-year-old who's loved and a three-year-old who's not loved. A three-year-old who's nurtured and one who's abused. What do you think you're going to see if you just were watching them and you didn't have any interaction with them? The loved one would be innocent. They would be open. They would be unafraid to experiment. They would actually probably be playing. They would feel safe. The one who's abused, the one who's frightened, what would they be doing? Probably sitting there holding a blanket, hiding scared. You'd see it in their eyes. It's the same between that's Christian, non-Christian. That's what it should be. With Jesus living in me and Jesus loving me and Jesus saying I'll never leave you as an orphan, whatever my circumstance, I should be lighting up because I know that I'm I'm in a community and I'm actually safe and I have a future that I don't yet see, but I have brothers and sisters and together we're going there. And so I'm learning how to be safe and secure even in chaos. The witness of Christians is not how many words they can speak. It's the light in their eyes. The witness of Christians is not how many Bible verses they can claim, how many conferences they go to. It's what do you look like when life's going tough? And the witness of a Christian is, but I know who I believe. And I'm not alone. Don't you long for that? It's called the peace that passes understanding. It's called hope. It's called joy. 
And it's all yours. It's all yours. So one of the things we need to do with one another is said, do you know Jesus? Yeah. Well, John said you're meant to be full of hope and joy. What's your problem? Go away. You see, part of, part of the problem is I need to see where I'm being robbed of those things and then allow God to release them into me. I'm not denying them. I'm going, I'm just struggling to get joy right now. Why? Well, I'm worried about this and I'm angry about this. And he said, well, why don't you deal with the worry and the angry so he can actually flow in? That's how it works. It's all process. And sometimes we just need one another. It's lovely because you don't have to fake it. You just have to name it. So, I've got some good news for you. I'm going to finish now. I think we've gone on for long enough. I wanted to, what we're going to do as a church is we're going to actually try and put this into action. This is a book called Igniting Your Faith in 40 Days. In it is a reading every day. It's a really short reading. It's two paragraphs. And it's about making declarations based on God's promises over your life and over your circumstances. It's not the power of positive thinking because the power of positive thinking means you have to work from the outside and if you have a positive attitude and if you can work it out strongly enough, then maybe you can change. And there's an element of truth to that. But this is based on your relationship with Jesus and God that is on the inside and God says over you these things and you need and you need and I need to go, well, if God says it, why don't I actually declare it? Some people go around saying, I, I feel so lonely. Nobody understands me. Well, Jesus said you're not an orphan and he loves you. Yeah, but he doesn't understand. Start actually being his child. Thank you, Jesus, I'm no longer an orphan, that you love me and that you actually care for me. You say that over yourself every ten minutes if you need to. I used to sing it over myself. I'm your son whom you love and you will not leave me, you will not abandon me. And something begins to change on the inside. And something begins to change when God says I'm for you, not against you. And if you who are evil know how to love your children, how much more will I love you? Now I want you to start speaking words into your spirit that actually mirror my truth rather than your experience. Because your experience is defaulty. It's your, your experience mirrors your background. It's got all kinds of cracks in it that aren't really reliable. I want to teach you how to live on the rock that is Jesus. And so this, this igniting your faith in 40 days is about helping us do that. It's got a reading at the back. You can do uh, Bible readings at the back. And you can do one, uh, one a day It's for, for 40 days up to Easter. True faith is built on hope, a confidential, optimistic expectation that good is coming based on God's promises. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's a relationship with God. If God is for you, then what's your problem? How many of you kind of know that it's easy to quote verses? It's easy to quote scriptures. Satan actually quotes scriptures. But it's actually knowing the power of them that's going to make the difference. And so what you do is you take one and you read it and then you actually speak it out over yourself. And you don't have to do this, you know, by chapter, in, a, in other words, from 1 to 40. You can flick through it and say, I think I need a cut off from grace this morning. I think I need uh, dealing with uncertainty. So you do that one. You check it off and then you look for another one. And you go back and say, that one really spoke to me. I need to do that every day. And let God speak to you. Let God actually speak to your spirit. 
There are many of us in this room, I believe, that actually we've we, we got it in our heads, but it's not in our hearts. And the only way it'll get in your hearts is as you actually speak things out and you begin to actually let God make them real for you. And he will actually filter them out and he will filter you out and he will do things in you that are remarkable just by saying, Lord, I want to become all that you want me to be. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Believing is seeing. How does God see you? The sketch artist that I spoke about at the beginning. This is how I see me and it'll be not as pretty as the one God has. Through this kind of exercise, he wants to say, this is how I see you. And this is what I want you to step into. Out of this will be my provision for you. The catch is this costs you 10 bucks if you have it. If it doesn't, you can take one. But somebody pays for it. But there's enough for everybody. And when we finished with communion, as you finish communion, you can come up and you can put money in the, the uh, orphanage thing from India and you can take one. And then, uh, you know, that's like the price of a hamburger and chips and fries for 40 days. But it's actually giving you a tool that we can also use together as a church to encourage us. We're calling it um, a negativity fast, which means every time I think something negative, I know it's a pain, isn't it? it you, but I have a sense of humor. Every, every time you think something negative, you've got to catch yourself. And neg- avoiding negativity is not about pretending it doesn't happen. It's just about going, just reframe that. Because what you're wanting to do is be transformed in your heads and your minds. So these are available to you up here, um, and I'll have them next week as well. If you don't have the money today, you can take one and put some money in next week. If you never put money in, nobody's going to know and be blessed. If you can't afford it, it's no big deal. If you can, put it in. If you've got more than enough, then put more than enough in. I'd be happy to know that uh, painting that I offered $750 for. It's been an amazing journey. I'm still waiting for the prophetic word. I'll probably share it with you next week because it's in the mail. But you gathered $760 instead of $750, so it's paid for. Well done. What's going to happen to the $10? Don't worry. It'll be looked after. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, I just pray that you bring to mind in our hearts and spirits things that you want to say to us. You know, think about the things you're struggling with right now. Think about the things that maybe are getting in the way for you or challenges to you that rise up even as I speak to you. Because God's actually saying things to you about that. Just as that man brought his son and said, could you heal? And the disciples couldn't. Sometimes we get discouraged because we've tried and it didn't work. But God says, of course I'm able. You're not a challenge to me. So whether it's healing, whether it's a marriage, whether it's children, whatever it is, bring it to the Lord right now. Maybe it's something that you're trying to get rid of in your own life. He knows everything and he never condemns. He just comes to set us free. He wants us to experience him, not just know about him. There were a lot of people who knew about Jesus when he walked this earth, but they never got healed because they never came to him. There are lots of people who know about Jesus in churches right now who don't know what he can do because they never let him in in their hearts. And Jesus is one who has, loves friendship and relationship. So, Father, I just, uh, why don't you stand? Let's do a, a, a kind of impartation, which means releasing his spirit over us so that we can actually enter into all that he has. So, if you need more faith, 
I just want to release faith into you. Father, I pray that you will call faith up in each person here to believe for what they don't yet see. When they've been wounded, when they've been struggling, when they've actually felt like I've tried this before and it doesn't work, I speak against the lies that come against faith in the name of Jesus. I break the power of past experience in the name of Jesus and I also speak to your emotions where you're numbed out. You've been hurt so much that you're not going to risk anything. And I just break that in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Father, that you will pour out over every heart here your oil to soften and to melt. That we would actually not live as abused children. We would live as those who know ourselves to be free and to be loved. And I I speak faith to you. I, I, I pray that this book that you get hold of, and I pray that everyone here will take a book. If there's something in you that says, no, I'm not going to do that, I break it in Jesus' name. Because there's treasure in that book that you, you, you want to take hold of. It's a way of accessing the kingdom. It's not magic. It's not perfect. But it's a way to access something that God wants to release for you. His love in you and his provision for you. So, Father, I just bless what you're going to lead us into as a church and as individuals in this next 40 days before Easter. I was washing the dishes this week and, and I was thinking about this Lent and this negativity fast and fasting and it, it felt like God said to me, you know, religious people have a 40-day fast. But if you follow me, I'll give you enough to deal with. You don't need to do a symbolic fast. I mean, there will be seasons of fasting, but it will be for a different reason. That actually when you follow me, there will be things I'll call you to give up because you're following me. And so, Father, I just bless our relationships with you that you take us deeper to believe for what we don't yet see.